episode 13 of The Jake, starting right now. Welcome back to episode 13 of The Jake, the Josh McCown episode for people that don't follow old Browns quarterbacks. Number 13 is Josh McCown. A lot of people know him as the quarterback helicoptering into the end zone against the Jets while fumbling it away or going 1-10 with a really bad Browns team, trying to mentor Johnny Manziel. That didn't work out. You know, he got a bad rap here, Josh McCown, but he actually put up decent numbers when he was on the field. It was just, he was often getting hurt, he was often getting hit, and it's too bad that he had to be mentoring Johnny when Johnny was the complete opposite. Like, if he was mentoring Colt McCoy, that would have been a much better, you know, marriage between the two, but he got stuck with... uh, with Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. Uh, another number 13, for those who know a little bit more about their Browns history, Spurgeon Win. Spurgeon Win, the Spurgeon Win episode. Uh, only played one game, 0-1. Uh, really, the only thing he was famous for was being the last quarterback taken before Tom Brady. So there's that about Spurgeon Win. Uh, not a great little... You know, stat to have, but neither of those guys are the real treat of this one, and this goes out to the real Browns fans, those who really know who number thirteen is, and that's Frank Ryan, the only other thirteen quarterback that the Browns have had. And Frank Ryan, for those of you who don't know, quarterback of the last time the NFL champion Browns were able to say that uh, Jimmy Brown was in the backfield. Uh, this was still past Paul Brown, so this was Blanton Collier's years. Uh, uh, you know, it was a good time, 1964, to be a Browns fan. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's long gone now. But if you believe it, there was once a time when the Browns were champions, and 1964 was then. And uh, Frank Ryan was the quarterback. Threw a couple touchdowns in the championship game when they routed the Colts. 27 nothing, something like that. 27 nothing, And, uh, yeah, ever since then, he had a couple Pro Bowl seasons, but a pretty, um, you know, unheralded uh, quarterback champion for Cleveland because, you know, everyone thinks of Otto Graham or Bernie Kosar, but Frank Ryan is the last champion that the Browns actually have. So, but, uh, yeah, so the Frank Ryan update and, uh, yeah, the Frank Ryan episode. The Browns update, let's go right into it. We'll do a little sports update for Cleveland. You know, when you go into July, you kind of have to cover all your bases. And uh, this week, I want a little touch on what you want to hear from your t- you know, teams in your sports. Football, any news is bad news in July. It's like it's it's plain and simple. There's really like unless you're unless you make some type of trade, which usually doesn't happen in the NFL, it's really just all news is bad news. What do you hear? Zeke Elliott, oh he's you know getting in a bar fight. Oh, okay, Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's not going to re-sign and he's gonna play under one year. Uh, you know, guys getting hurt, you know, guys getting in trouble, guys just making headlines for all the wrong reasons. You know, it's July is not a time. So to not hear anything about the Browns is good news. So let's, you know, knock on wood there because really don't want to, you know, jinx that or let anything go. But, you know, we're only a couple weeks away from minicamp. Then news will be coming in. Uh, baseball. You want a lot of news about your team. You either want to hear that your team is tanking and going to be selling at the trade deadline and the season's almost over, or the complete opposite. You want to hear that your team is on fire and unbelievable, but you want to hear about your team at this time. And right now the Indians are kind of like pedaling around 500. They have not played good, consistent baseball for any certain stretch of time. feels like every month they're rolling around 500 records. Guys are getting banged up. Uh, you know, some of the numbers aren't as sexy as numbers you'll see on teams like the Nationals or the Astros, the Yankees. But, um, you know, it's, it's not a great time. Unfortunately for them, they are in a very winnable division where the second best team is the Minnesota Twins. And, uh, and the Twins 
they're not really destined for the postseason. They are still like a year or two away from competing. So the Indians still gotta, you know, still gotta take care of business. But uh, you know, right now it's not looking too great. Uh, I still think they're gonna make the playoffs though. And then in basketball, you know, this can go either way. Uh, do you want to hear about your team? You know, that's a lot of summer is like splashes, which is good. But uh, so you'd think that hearing about your team is a good thing, but. Anything coming out about the Cavaliers is just bad because it's often LeBron James related, which means it's rumors, which means it could mean anything. And it is just like, I, I remember when the, the season ended knowing, okay, this is going to be a long summer. I'm going to be pulling my hair out. And it's so true because it is infuriating trying to listen to pe what people are saying about LeBron James and whether he's going to leave or stay or you know, if he's upset or if he's concerned, you know, it doesn't help that their GM is now gone and they haven't really been able to upgrade the roster all that much. You know, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he left next year. Uh, if, if he's really serious about chasing rings and needs to do it elsewhere, I, I kind of get that. You know, a lot of people are asking, you know, what would you feel like if he left? And obviously, I don't want him to leave. I mean, he's their best chance of winning anything. You know, if he leaves, all of a sudden, Cavaliers probably go back to being a lottery team. But uh, if he leaves, I get it. And at least he won. You know, July, you know, June 19th, 2016 will always have happened. That championship will always be there. So when people are like, oh, LeBron leaves, LeBron, I'm like, I'm still, you know, we still have the ring. Still the championship. Maybe they could have won more or less or whatever. But July. June 19th, 2016 will have always happened. So you can't take that away from the Cavs fans. Uh, it's just always going to be there. But uh, yeah, so that's a little Cleveland update. Browns, no news is great news. Tribe, no news is bad news. Cavs, all news is horrible news. So, you know, but that's not even, you know, sports has been kind of like, that's, this is the month off for sports, I feel like. You know, July is no fun. But this year, we got something special. We got a big game, the Game of Thrones. And it premiered on Sunday, and I've already watched it three times in a little over 24 hours. It was phenomenal. The premiere was back. It was great. You know, We waited for over a year because it had ended in June of last year and didn't come back until mid-July. So... It, it was a long wait, and it was so worth the wait because the premiere was phenomenal, and there are still six episodes left this season, and it seems like each episode gets longer than the last. They're bringing characters together. We're on the edge of a war. You know, the first episode of this season was called Dragonstone, mainly because Daenerys was returning home to Dragonstone, and that scene was was just so huge. The music they play for when Danny and the dragons show up is so uplifting and inspiring, and like they've got violins and drums and and cymbals and everything going on, and I really like can't give it enough justice because it just is so like encapsulating that like it, it makes it drives you like I was literally shedding tears you know when that scene happened because I knew like how big it was for Danny and I'll, I'll just explain this you know she when she was born her mother died her father died shortly thereafter her brother was just had been killed she was basically forced to flee the country with her older brother who was very young and uh, basically had to just live on the run her entire life until she was old enough to be basically sold off to a savage warrior and uh, in exchange for an army. Uh, fell in love with the savage warrior only after she was raped a couple times, but eventually fell in love. Then he was killed by black magic, the same black magic that killed her only child before she could have children. Uh, then that black magic destroyed any chance of her ever having children. She then walked into fire and uh, with her uh, husband's dead body. Turns out she got three dragons, so that was a good thing. But then she fell in love again, and that guy she had to leave behind. Fell in love with another guy, uh, and that guy she had to exile because he betrayed her. Then when he came back and showed 
that he does love her and wants to be with her and everything like that, he um, comes down with Grayscale. And she has to force him out to find a cure because then Grayscale will kill her too if she comes in contact with him. Um, all while freeing fl slave cities and uh, not getting enough credit for it. The slaves that she freed rebelled against her. And then she finally makes it home to redeem the, her, her, her brother that was killed, her father that was killed, basically everyone that killed the Targaryen family. She came back to redeem her family and all of that while this music is playing. I mean, it was just so just awesome that like the whole thing was incredible. Um, what a scene. It was the scene that ended the episode. I couldn't say enough about it. I thought it was phenomenal. And I, I mean, I'll probably watch the scene over and over. Here you All of this is happening while her dragons are finally flying back to Dragonstone. She's taking all this in, like, you know, make fun of me for, for shedding a tear. I got into it. That's what I do. I get into my shows. But um, I, I'm not going to get too into Game of Thrones just to tell you it was an awesome episode. We're going to do more Game of Thrones recaps this year. But I want to get into, I got a special interview with you this week. I got uh, Steven Lorenzo former roommate of mine who now works at NBC Sports. going to have him on, and we're going to talk a couple different things, what he's covering in NBC Sports. going to go back, you know, turn the clock back and talk about what we did when we were roomies. You know, he was uh, covering the Islanders. I was working at the Garden. Our other roommate was working for the Yankees. And uh, also uh, maybe do a little debate. So, so uh, check this out. We're going to... Uh, interview with Steven Lorenzo of NBC Sports. All right, welcome back to the Jake Podcast. Uh, on with me today is a good friend of mine and uh, current NBC Sports, Steven C. Lorenzo. You can find him at Steven C. Lorenzo on Twitter. Steve, what is up, man? Oh no problem. It was way overdue. You've been you've, you we should have had you on like first 3 episodes. So this was way overdue. Nah, nah, you got to wet your beak a little before I get on there. That is true. I've been having so much fun with this that it's kind of just been necessary to kind of like change it up a little bit and and uh you know kind of get my feet wet. So I I totally get you there. You're doing a good job, man. And I I cannot listen to that sort of stuff, but other than that, everything's great. You know what? I totally get that. Like, everybody, they have their thing, and I, I didn't realize it until I started getting into this that, like, you know what? I respect people that watch the Kardashians or the Bachelorette or Fast and Furious movies, whatever you want to watch, like, to kind of just turn your mind off and just be entertained for a little bit. I get it. So... The, the Bachelorette, I watched one episode of that all the way through, and I was the level of stupidity <laughs> that uh, it was it was the one which I'm sure you're an avid watcher it was the one yeah. where they the girls were on some island and they were feeding pigs oh yeah that's um I mean they, they yeah they need to pull outrageous stunts to like kind of lead you in like like what the hell are they doing so yeah it can't be an hour of crying yeah exactly and that's the big difference between The Bachelorette and The Bachelor is, um, you know, like kind of in the summer, you need to see, they kind of pull these wild things out there in uh, The Bachelorette. Like, um, you know, like they, they just kind of need to grab your attention. So when they pulled that pig thing in The Bachelor, I was like, ah, uh, not a great look. Not a great look. You know, that you save that for the summer when, when no one's watching. You know that clip? 
I, I can't even remember what it is with Family Guy where Peter just stands up and goes, Done! Yeah. That was me with the, the pigs. That's and fair. That's fair. And I'm not gonna and you know what? I'm never gonna force anyone to watch that show, so I'm 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 not holding you to it. But otherwise hundred percent. Cool. I'm glad and so I understand you're probably joining the podcast community soon. I am, yeah. I'm hoping to get it going um, in two weeks or so. I don't wanna pin myself down to a specific date yet because I'm still uh, figuring out exactly what day I want to do it and who I'm going to have on and, and all that stuff, but uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I used to do a radio show in college, and that's what I love to do, and I think that this is a very good outlet for me um, to be back on the airwaves and just basically talk about whatever I want. Uh, which is kind of what you're doing. Absolutely. I can totally see you being a natural at it. Um, I did a radio show in college just freshman year where we basically just played rock and roll, but we would talk in between, and it was just like so much fun. And I could tell that you're a natural at this, so I can't wait to come on your show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. My, actually, my, uh, my co-host from college is going to be my first, uh, my first episode. Nice, there you uh, go. Good, so good, good intro. Back together Excellent. Love it. Love that idea. Um, so for those who don't know, I when I graduated college, I got a job at Madison Square Garden and needed a place in the city because that commute that late at night after events was probably the worst idea I've ever had. So at a New Year's party, you and Justin Canning I ran into needed a third roommate and I was sold. I was like, I don't even need to see it. I'm in like 100%. So, and at the time, you were, were where, which paper were you working at? Because you were covering the Islanders who were just, you were the Daily News, and you had done the, the Golden Gloves, right? Yeah, so my first job out of college was writing for the news. Uh, I covered Golden Gloves, boxing. Uh, it's a huge amateur boxing tournament uh, that's run by the Daily News uh, every year, and I was the writer for that and also in charge of uh, co-coordinating the tournament, basically um, getting all the boxers where they needed to be uh, for each venue to narrow down um, the boxers to uh, to a piece for each weight class. So, mm-hmm. you know, when they, they start of the tournament, there's, say, 50 people in the 152 weight class, but there's only a handful in heavyweight. So, you know, you have to fight all the 152 guys in the beginning of the tournament to narrow it down. Um, so I started with Golden Gloves, I did that for I think three or four years, um, and in between that I got a job on the sports desk with the news, and I was general assignment, basically uh, covering everything that they needed me to do, but it almost by mistake became um, mostly a hockey gig, because uh, the Islanders made the playoffs out of nowhere one year, and they had nobody to cover the playoffs, so... I got kind of put on there last minute by mistake, and uh, now I've been essentially a hockey quote-unquote professional uh, since I've been out of school, which is kind of ironic because I wasn't really a big hockey fan growing up. So I feel like that's how a lot of these like fun stories end up happening. Is like you kind of had an idea of where you're going to go with things, and then you take this huge left turn because of the opportunity, and all of a sudden, boom, you're you're rolling, and that's kind of like. Yeah what it felt like just watching you be like, because I wasn't really into hockey either. And and when I was working at the Garden, uh, living with you guys, I was like, I wasn't huge into hockey. I had my sports and hockey wasn't ever one of them. And I was following the Rangers because I was working there and get and that was a lot of fun. And no one, included you, were like, huh, these like Islanders, like this is a little crazy right now. They're actually like competing. And then they made the playoffs. I was That was nuts. Yeah, yeah, and you know, hockey, uh, I certainly love it now, it, it's so fun to watch live, I'd argue it's the most fun sport you can go to. Yeah, that's I, fair, um, yeah. For like a, a regular, regular season game, uh, an ordinary regular season game, nothing really beats hockey. Um, mm-hmm, totally. And, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely uh, the circumstance presented itself, and that's kind of how I fell into that net. I totally agree, the atmosphere at hockey games is unlike anything else like you really yeah it's it's and and i mean playoff hockey there's really no other playoff like that too because 
it is just it, it's constantly on your seat, and and that's not like that in any other sport. And it's, yeah, it's always wide open too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that yeah. I know the just retweeted or retweeted, and repeated, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, repeated, but. Um, Yeah. It's crazy in itself. So it doesn't really happen in other sports, at least not as often. No, you're totally right. I mean, like, in in basketball, it always seems like there are three or four teams that really have a chance at winning. You know, football, you see that once in a while. You see a wild card kind of go through. But often... Yeah, the yeah, yeah, the Giants, and even the years they're not a wild card, they're in that opening round. They still go far. But, um, you know, a lot of the times, at least as a fan of a team in the AFC, it's often like, you know what, the championship's often between the one and the two seed. It kind of is just like that every year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's refreshing about hockey that it's like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I was, uh, I was hoping to bring up some debate because you had some interesting tweet the other day. Uh, Raj Federer just finished up. An absolutely incredible Wimbledon. It was, I think, the first time since, like, someone said, like, the late 70s um, that anyone went sweep, 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 sweep all the way through Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Bjorn Borg was the last guy to do it. I don't know which year in the 70s. But yeah. Borg was the last guy to do it. Yeah, I think I, I, my, my stack guy in the corner is telling me 78. So, um, pretty <laughs> <laughs> stack guy is also my, my Mac. So, um, but yeah, that is unbelievable and it you said one of the most dominant athletes of our lifetime and it's so right i mean i'm 27 you're what 28 29 28 yeah you're 28 so um going by most dominant athletes and when i hear the word dominant i like to think of the one-on-one individual sports you know i like to think of swimming boxing uh tennis golf you know, because teams can be dominant, but it's hard to say a player is dominant in team sports because so much else goes into it. But in tennis, like Roger Federer is dominant. You know, in in Serena Williams is dominant, and, and those two kind of led the argument. Who else you got in there? Well, yeah, I mean, you discussed the the, the two tennis players. I mean, Federer with nineteen majors and eight Wimbledons and not dropping a set. Uh, what is he? Thirty five. Yeah. Um, and doing so, you know, in an era with Nadal, who's unbeatable on clay, and Djokovic and Murray, who are, you know, you would assume all of those guys, and Nadal's already there. I don't even know how many majors Djokovic has, but they're all going to be in double digits, I would think, by the time yeah. their careers are done with. Um, and uh, Serena is even more dominant on the women's side. She'll come back after having a kiss and probably blow away the field again. Yeah, um, yeah. They, it's, I, I, and you know what I think is interesting about Federer is um, of the people that I listed in the tweet and uh, as I'm sure we're going to go through here, he's the most likable guy on the list and I, I can't think of anybody that doesn't like Roger Federer and that's really rare for someone that is as great as he is. Yeah, you usually uh, find a lot of haters on your way to the top, and you're kind of right. He he's done it with so much like grace, and yeah, you know, he he's done it. With, he's a very humble guy, which you really don't yeah. see from a lot of the greats. Yeah, not a ton of emotion on the court. Um, it hasn't been in any sort of you know scandal or and nobody right. news about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he just everybody loves Federer, which I just think is rare when you're the greatest ever in your sport. Um, I, I think that that's hard to come by. Uh, like I said, Serena, and the other argument with Serena is arguably the second most dominant player of her era is her own sister, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, so the, the two, I mean, you're watching the two best ever in, in both sides in men's and women's in tennis. I'm not a huge tennis person, but I'll definitely watch the majors. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Federer... Roddick Wimbledon from however long ago that was now. That had to be six, seven years ago. Right. Um, that's like the most 
that was tremendous. So I, I, that's like top of my list with uh, tennis matches I ever saw. Yeah, that's the other thing I really like about you know when when I and I only tune into the majors too. I'm not going to act like I watch tennis all year round. I watch you know usually the finals at these things. But the great thing is you know and and I know Chilich kind of came out of. Not nowhere, you know, to tennis fans, they know him, but to, you know, the public, he kind of came out of nowhere because I was looking at a lot of the runner-ups from the finals, and it's usually guys like Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. Like, they're usually beating each other, which is which makes it so much more entertaining that you have, like, oh... You know Murray's getting his second chance at Rod at, at Roger, so it's like it's yeah. always really cool to see things like that happen too. And Federer, you know, can't get the nobody can say, oh, he didn't play in a big era. You know, nobody else was there. He came on the tail end of Sampras and Agassi. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as that era ended, you know, Nadal and Djokovic and all these other guys popped up. So there's no argument there to be had. It's they, he had the greatest before him on the decline, and he had the, the current greatest guys are, are still in their primes. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's pretty insane. Um, the other obvious one in the individual sports, well, there's a few obvious ones, but Tiger, um, in his heyday, mm-hmm. just mowed down everybody. Um, just, and they literally had Tiger for the field for betting. Yeah. Is Tiger going to win this major or is anyone else going to win this major? Yeah, and it's kind of like an opposite approach right now in golf is that there's like so many guys, young guys that are out there. And for the longest time, it was it's Tiger Woods or he didn't win. You know, it was really that was that was the major. And and to to speak to the the Federer argument I was making where oh, watered down era or whatever. I don't that's definitely not the case with Tiger. I mean, certainly his his struggles, to say the least, in the sure. last whatever, how many years that's been, what, like almost eight, nine years Yeah, now? it's it's kind uh, of on the side of a decade. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mickelson and Ells, I guess, are probably the best other two guys of his era, and Mickelson only has five. Mm-hmm. And I think Ells has maybe four. And the other, only other guys I can think of that really challenged Tiger were David Duvall, who was like, people forget about it, was number one for a while, and then had a crazy fall from grace, um, and then VJ Singh. Yeah, VJ really had a nice, else. like, two years, and that was that was it. Yeah, and then really nobody else is even close. Um, he was number one in the world for, like, six straight years, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, like, I think it was, like, 200-something weeks. And then a break, and then two hundred something weeks again. Yeah, um, he just he dominated people, and he dominated uh, at the specific majors. You know, he went by 10, 15 strokes, like some of these tournaments. Um, just an unbelievable era that he had, uh, an unbelievable stretch anyway that he had. Yeah, and he and you know a lot of people like to think of the recent Tiger, and they're like trying to push him to being back and stuff, and. It's kind of like, hey, let it go. It, it, this is this is kind of ending, and it's sad to see it happen like this. But at the same time, you just got to look back and and you got to respect the fact that it's like, look at how amazing he was. It was insane. There was nobody like him at all. I mean, for that for that ten years, I guess when he when he burst on the scene in '97 and then 2000 to. Whenever he, it was even more than that, maybe 11, 12 years. There was nobody like him. He was, he was the most recognized name in any sport. Um, all the Nike deals, the Lincoln commercials, just everybody knew who Tiger Woods was, and for good reason. Yeah. Um, and then I, we got into the Olympic guys with Phelps and Bolt. Yeah. Um, who do you, well, before we get into them specifically, who do you, who would you take? Who's, the greatest out of those two. So I just, I mean, I think that's a really fun one to go into is if you, you know, I know it's different sports and I know I want to like... There's, there's no wrong answer. Yeah, no, and that's the fun thing is that like you could really go either way. Um, I, it's, it's, and they each have the same things. Like they each have the same pros and the same cons. Like they both have had guys that like you would think would unseat them and then, oh, look at that. No, he's still winning. So, um... In that regards, 
I'll say that Bolt is the more dominant because it was just flat out like only him while Phelps was amongst some other great ones that you knew. But like when it came to the running, it was really only Bolt, at least in my eyes. And it's really hard for me to say that because I look at Michael Phelps as the greatest Olympic athlete of all time. But if we're talking dominance, I think I'm just going Bolt because he was the only runner I knew of. And then every time he's on there, it's like he's smiling, he's laughing. And it's like, oh my God, this is insane. He would just jog and beat people. Yeah. Um, but I, I would lean Phelps just because I think, you know, there's more talk now um, about Phelps and his longevity and how great he was for all of those Olympics. But if you look at the one where he beats Fitz's record, yeah. and I realize that some of those are relays and he's got, you know, he needs the other three guys to come through. Um, shout out to the Jason Lezak comeback yeah. relay, which is. Still my favorite. Yeah, it's it's probably ever. my favorite Olympic moment. Yeah, totally. It's my favorite. It's my. I think it's my favorite call in any sport ever. Is uh, the the Hicks Rowdy Gaines call of that? Um, yeah. Like well, I was screaming at my TV watching that. That anyway, one was something. Um, yeah. Phelps, Phelps going eight for eight at that Olympics mm-hmm. is insane. Was that the um, London one? That was, I think that was Beijing. Oh, okay, yeah, you're probably right. I think London was the one he didn't do all well at. Yeah, I think I think Beijing was the 8 for 8. Mm-hmm. That was his second Olympics, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, just the, the sheer distance he has between everybody else with the medals is just, cr- like, Olympic athletes with very, very rare exceptions, you have your four, maybe eight-year window, and you're toast. He's been in four Olympics. Yeah. He's still winning. That's, like, that is crazy. Um, and a bigger question than anything else, is he going to beat the Great White Shark? Oh, I know. I'm so excited for that. I mean, I you don't need to give me much to get excited for Shark Week. But when you like throw Michael Phelps into it, I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait. And for those who don't know, Michael Phelps on Shark Week is going to race a great white shark. Um, I still don't know all the logistics of how they're going to do it. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm assuming side by side pools. But again, well, I would hope so. yeah, that's that that was my thought because I, I'm thinking camera angles. That's kind of your your best way to go about it without getting, you know, one of the greatest American athletes ever to be eaten. Um, yeah, you don't need, like, a Steve Irwin thing here where the computer just dies. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this is going to come right after, like, a, a show on how sharks can, like, jump, like, 10 feet out of the water. And you're going to be like, do we really want Michael Phelps there? Like, because they really are going to want them in the same shot. They're not going to have the shark do it and then Phelps do it. This isn't going to be some right. type of relay or anything like that so right like seven o'clock uh the great white shark the perfect killing machine and then at eight o'clock Phelps races nah nah great white shark that doesn't you know? yeah um, that it's got to be side by side side by side pools and i i'm i i'm i'm like speechless even thinking about it i can't imagine great white sharks follow directions very well no. like are they gonna just dangle you know a seal, like a dead seal, at the end of a pool, and say, "Come get this," or what? Yeah, I'm really, I, I and I'm, I'm specifically not reading up on this because I don't know how it's going to work. I, it probably will end up being lame. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be some type of like dangling something. Um, and our stack guy just got back to us. It was Beijing. It was 2008. The eight for eight. Mm-hmm. So so well well done on your research there, Mr. Lorenzo. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're the Olympics property. I should know that. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say. Yeah. And the other thing, and the other thing you guys got is probably the one guy we're leaving out, Lance Armstrong of the Tour de France. You know, he was dominant. I know he had a very bad fall from grace, but if we're just talking about dominance, I you know he's got to be up in that conversation. Yeah, so my initial list had Barry Bonds in it, mm-hmm. and I, I said to you, you know, I, I think if if you're going to include Barry Bonds, which obviously, just from a stats and an MVP angle, he certainly 
deserves to be in that conversation. But if you're going to, you know, put Barry Bonds on that list of dominant athletes, Lance definitely has to be on there with seven tours. Yeah. Um, and I've worked the Tour de France this year and last year, so I know much more about the tour than I did in every other year of my existence. Sure, um, yeah. Um, but, you know, basically when we were growing up, all I knew was just, you know, come back from cancer and the yellow armband and the live strong and all that. And that he kept winning, but I didn't really realize how much went into every race and um, the sport itself. But it is an impossible race to win uh, back-to-back. And a guy has done it um, the last two years, and he's going for his third straight now, Chris Broom. But it's extremely, extremely difficult for people to do that, and he did it seven times. Yeah. Um, Now, he was pumped full of horse tranquilizers, but... Um, it's still it's still impressive. There's a, actually there's a uh, picture that went viral today of what this dude's legs look like after um, they're about two thirds of the way through the tour. If you want to uh, throw up your dinner, you can look at what this guy's legs look like after uh, what 16 stages. Jeez, um, just it's the stuff of nightmares. Um, yeah, and this guy won seven of them. So it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's truly remarkable, and it's something that. You know, if you want to look at dominance, that's how you do dominance. So, like, you know, seven straight is is hard to is I mean, hard to think of in in any sport of any kind doing that many times of just like repeating champion. Do you like yeah. uh, Broom's chance of three straight? I really hope he doesn't win. Um, I he probably will. It's a really really weird sport. Um, so it's it's the type of thing where you know like certain people that don't like baseball because the game goes too slowly or uh, golf because there's some weird etiquette. It's kind of a mix of that where uh, the, the endings of some of these stages, uh, for, for anybody that doesn't know, which I'm sure is most people, uh, Tour de France is 21 stages uh, and they, they ride throughout France and other countries based on the year. So there were Germany this year, last year in Switzerland a little bit. Um, and it's a grueling, grueling race where, like I said, 21 days, they're climbing over mountains. Uh, it's stuff that I would never even think about doing. It's wild. Um, as far as the leader for the entire race, it's the guy that uh, has the, the lowest aggregate time, which obviously makes sense. Um, so, you know, there are certain guys that race to win certain stages where they'll sprint and they'll win at the end. But then the next day they'll come in, you know, 150th, and they won't care. They're just there to win stages. These guys, like Froome, like Lance, when he was in the heyday, are trying to be consistently near the front of the pack. Um, but the difference is, like, there are times where the leader will fall back, and the rest of the race will not try to pass him. It's like a weird etiquette with the race. Which drives me insane. Yeah. Because if I'm going to be racing for t- three weeks over mountains for, you know, 150 miles or whatever the hell it is every single day, it you know, varies day by day, I'm going after the win, you know? Right. And then st- stage 21 is always on the Champs Elysees in Paris, and no one really even contends for the GC, which is general, excuse me, general classification, which is which wins the whole race. It's kind of just a parade where they sip champagne and, you know, hey, we did it type of thing. Yeah, no to, to be honest, that would drive me nuts. Like, I, I like, yeah. I, I want the end to be, like, there's a winner and, and there's everyone else. And it kind of seems well, like that's not exactly how this works. Right. So, it's, you know, some, it, it, the point is, Vroom is up right now. He's probably going to win again. Um there was a guy, Fabio LaRue, from Italy that was ahead of him for um, a couple stages there, but it looks like Trim's going to win it again. It just drives me nuts that, uh, with that etiquette, you know? It's, it's yeah. unwritten rules in certain sports where I'm sure hardcore um, uh, hardcore cycling fans that had never seen baseball would scratch their heads about certain things about baseball. Yeah, it kind of uh, feels like a bit of the kneel uh, in football uh, or like, you know, possibly... Just like, you know, running it out in baseball and stuff like that where, you know, sometimes we just don't get it because we didn't grow up on it. And, uh, and, and as, and 
I would totally see it the other way as if, you know, people in France came over here and were questioning, like, oh, why aren't they, you know, rushing the passer? It's like, no, he's just taking a kneel. This is just a, an etiquette thing. So so I get that, but it would drive me nuts because I feel like a race is you try and catch the guy that's in front of you. And uh, not I, even, you know, like another one with football, you know, like somebody might come over and be like, why aren't they passing it anymore and scoring more points? Right, like, yeah. they're already at 40. Yeah, they're gonna run the ball, you know. Yeah. Um, so there, I'm sure that there are comparisons, and there are some cool things about the racing. In the endings of the sprint stages, you you have like eight, nine, ten guys charging for the finish line, and sometimes decided by a photo finish. And it's like three point oh three millimeters was one finish this year, where the guy's tire was just above the other guy's tire. So there are moments that are crazy, and then there's insane crashes where these guys are, they're, you know, they're going 40 miles an hour down a mountain, and sometimes they just wipe out, um, which sometimes, as long as they're not too hurt, is pretty hilarious also. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been an interesting property to to work on. Um, I'm mostly involved with hockey, obviously. I was on the cup final this year, uh, but then I came back and uh, back on tour, so... Um, that finishes up on Sunday, and uh, we'll see if Froome gets crowned with his third uh, third title. Or, excuse me, his fourth title, his third in a row. Third in a row. Well, I mean, it's awesome, man. It sounds like you're getting to cover some really cool stuff. Um, I mean, NBC Sports is, I love it because they get to do the Olympics. They do different things like, you know, you'll see volleyball. My favorite is Sevens Rugby. You know, you see that from time to time. So it's, I like that NBC Sports kind of covers a lot of different bases. And I'm, I'm pumped for you, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know what? Loved it. Uh, can't wait to have you on again. And I can't wait to show up on your podcast. Do we have a name yet, or am I going to have to plug it eventually? Uh, I do have a name. It's called Don't Ask Me Why. Perfect. I absolutely love that. you got to get something Another. catchy. It's it, it sounds like you're built for like uh, basically like arguing with Skip Bayless or Nick Wright or, or any of these guys. Oh, God. I hope not Skip Bayless. <laughs> I don't want to be on that one. Uh, my head might explode from frustration. Well, you wouldn't be the only one. Awesome. All right, Jake. Thanks, man. All right, Stephen. Thank you, man. And that interview with Stephen Lorenzo of NBC Sports was brought to you by MVI Home Care. Our primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. We are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health hospice, and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goals and yours are the same. Your care and well-being is our primary focus. I want to thank Stephen for coming on. It was well overdue. Uh, had a nice, long interview. Hopefully, the sound and everything you know came out all right. Uh, I'm still working on the sound specs of everything, but um, if you want to follow Stephen, you can find him at Stephen C. Lorenzo on Twitter. And again, he's at NBC uh, Sports, covering a lot of really cool things. You know, I usually don't think of, you know, Tour de France and, uh, you know, the Olympics you think of only for a couple months, a, a year, if that. And uh, he gets to do some really cool stuff there. So pretty jealous of him and uh, can't wait to go on to his uh his podcast, which should be debuting, I think he said, in, in two weeks or so. But uh, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed that interview. But up now, I uh, want to do a little top five action. Had a, had, didn't watch a movie this week. Uh, there was so much surrounding Game of Thrones that I never really got to a movie. But I am really caught up on a lot of Netflix shows. Uh, I love some of these Netflix originals. I have a ton of them on my dock that I still have to watch. Uh, I still have to watch Iron Fist so I can be all caught up for when The Defenders comes out. I still want to watch The Get Down. And I still have to finish up a couple other shows as well. So really pumped to check these out. But I want to do my top five. And I've watched about nine or ten shows so far on, on the Netflix originals. But I'm going to do my top five. So my number five is Bloodline. Uh, 
about a family in the Florida Keys. You know, very wholesome family. They look squeaky clean on the outside. And then their black sheep brother comes home and kind of messes up everything. You know, he has a secret that everyone doesn't want getting out. And it's, it kind of brings down everybody and causes more drama, more problems. And the web of problems just grows deeper and deeper as the show goes on. It just finished its third season. It's definitely the final season. They kind of wrapped it up nicely like that. A lot of people complained about the finale. I'm not going to go into it, but I would say it is a must check out. And uh, one of the reasons my family likes it so much is we have gone on family vacations to the exact resort that they film at. And uh, one of the reasons they had to delay filming so much was because of how expensive the filming got. So uh, it takes place down in Isla Morada. The moorings is where they film, and it's like the most beautiful place in the world. But uh, it, you should check out Bloodline. It uh, stars Kyle Chandler, who is Coach Taylor, uh, if everybody knows from Friday Night Lights. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, who not a lot of people know a lot of. He's from The Place Beyond the Pines. He's in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I, I think he's Australian or he's South African. But he's a really great actor, and he was phenomenal in Bloodline. And they got some other really good actors, too. Like uh, um, Sam Shepard is in it. Sissy Spacex in it. They they have a really great cast. They uh, they find ways to just like keep on turning it over. And it's kind of just like a white-collar like crime show. It's, it's phenomenal. And definitely a checkout. Uh, so that's number five is Bloodline. Number four is House of Cards. I think House of Cards is phenomenal. Uh, I think uh, Kevin Spacey does so well uh, in his role. He, you know, I'm not going to say everything about what where he goes and what happens and everything, but you know, him as Frank Underwood is as good as any role and actor actor character combo there is that I can think of. He nails it, and uh, it's a basically a show about revenge and climbing up the ladder of politics. And I admittedly am not really into politics, but I love House of Cards. I think it's really well done. Whether it's realistic or not isn't really what I'm into. I just I love all the twists and turns that you see in that show. And again, it's another show that you see some really great acting. I think it's really well put together, um, and and it's just. It's a phenomenal show, and a lot of people have heard about it. I'm not surprising anybody with this one, unlike my top three picks, which might surprise you. Uh, because number three, I have Last Chance You. Now, Last Chance You is the most different one on this because of the way it's filmed. It is a seasoned documentary about a real football team. It's a JUCO team, which is junior college, which is... You see a lot of these kids that couldn't get into the schools they wanted to get into in college. So they go to a year of JUCO, play up a little bit, see if they could transfer into a bigger school. Or you get in trouble at your school, you get kicked out of your school because of grades or whatever type of team conduct rules you you disobeyed. This is a place where you would go, try and rehabilitate everything, and get back into a bigger program the next year. And this is real. This isn't scripted or anything like that. Now they, you know, they do have a little bit of, you know, the kids play up to the camera. But this is a combination of Friday Night Lights, with a show that everybody loved, and Hard Knocks, which is a, a show that everybody likes on HBO. You know, a real covering real football players on a real football team. But it brings in the fact that they they're not millionaires. They're kids that are actually trying to make it. And it feels like almost like a high school drama because they're usually 18, 19 years old. So last chance you and the coach. Oh, man, they, they interview this coach, Buddy, who is insane and just the type of coach that I like. I mean, I like the intense coaches that demand the most out of you. Not everybody does. And you'll see from this show that not he his coaching style does not work for everybody. And it's a quick season. I think it was five or six episodes. Um, it is something else. I cannot wait till season two comes out in, I think, like a week or two. So really looking forward to Last Chance You season two. If you haven't seen it, which you may not have, season uh, you know season one came out in the summer last year, and I feel like it went kind of unnoticed. It is awesome, and you got to check out Last Chance You. My number two show was the one that kind of trumped Last Chance You 
last summer is Stranger Things. I mean, this one is... is it, it could be the best show they have. Now, they have season two coming out at Halloween, which is a way long time after season one, because I think season one came out in spring 2016. I didn't watch it until July 2016, and I, I loved it. It's like a... 80s version of the X-Files, but from kids' point of view, and instead of just theories and stuff, it's actually, like, this really sci-fi feel. Like, it's not just like, oh, they're trying to prove it. It's like, no, it's real. It's on the other side and everything. And it's all these kids, you know. It was funny. I was trying to tell my dad he's got to watch the show. And he's like, yeah, but isn't it, like, about kids? I'm like, no, dad, it is so much more than about a couple kids. This is, you know, Stranger Things is awesome. And I am I think it's become probably one of the most popular Netflix shows, or at least on, on the originals front. And, you know, it's everyone can't wait for it to come out. In, in 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 October of this year. So Stranger Things is my number two. I think they do a great job with the music in that, the original score, and not, o- not only the original score, but also the music that they choose for those scenes. Like they do the song Heroes, sung by Peter Gabriel in one of the more, uh, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but in a very upsetting and disturbing scene, they use that song, and it is just a very powerful scene, very much like what I was talking about with the way that HBO has done their score. So I think just all around, Stranger Things is just a really great put-together show. They get kids that are doing a great job of acting. I don't know their names. Uh, I you know the, Really, the only name I know from the show is Winona Ryder, and every, all, the acting is all great. The writing is phenomenal. The whole plot and storyline is phenomenal. And then the music and the editing to tie everything together. It, it's really just an all-out phenomenal show. It probably should be my number one. But my number one, it goes to a, a different one. And we're going to stick with to the sci-fi area and go Black Mirror. Black Mirror, if you haven't heard of it, I've ho- I hope you heard, heard of the Twilight Zone because it reminds me of a modern day technologically advanced Twilight Zone where each episode of the Black Mirror can be range like 40 to 50 minutes to a couple that have been like an hour and a half long to basically a short movie. It is a separate story, all usually British actors, completely different from the previous episode with a completely different problem and different landscape where one episode and it's all technologically based it's all technological problems what are these people running into so you know one of my favorite episodes is about this these people that download their thoughts and their brain into this mega system where they live the rest of their life and then beyond after they die they are there forever and it's a very weird concept but it's a way of kind of getting like that second life as opposed to an afterlife. And it's all on these computer storage systems. And yet they think, you know, they look at it as the real world. And there's another episode where, you know, it's it's a little more simpler than that. It's everybody has this chip in there inside them. And they basically go around and every interaction you have with someone, you rate Okay, you rate this interaction. So I'm, you know, standing on an elevator. And I was, oh, hey, hey, Tim, how's it going? You know, and, and uh, oh, Tim. And I, I basically look at him and use my hands as if I'm scrolling through my phone. And all of a sudden, everything on in front of Tim pops up. His most recent photos, his most, you know, recent videos, the trips he's done, foods he's eating. And I like things. And, I, and, you know, I'm using my finger, even though there's nothing in my hand, I'm using my finger to almost tap and like it. And you rate your interactions with people. You get better ratings. Your rating goes up. So if you're like a, you know, it's based on a five-point scale. And you have like a 4.8, you're eligible for kind of like the finer things in life. Like there are these different communities that are like, oh, I'm sorry, this is a 4.3 and above only. Or like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, your, your, your number is a 3.6, which isn't exactly what we're looking for at this party. And it's a really, it's kind of messed up. A lot of these episodes are very sad. And that was just one concept. Black Mirror dives into some really messed up stuff. 
real problems with real people, but it's all technologically based. I would suggest it for anybody because, and also when you try it, don't just try one episode. You got to try like two or three because if you find an episode, if you're watching an episode you don't like, it's going to be completely different the next one. And if there's an episode that you're like, ooh, that was pretty good, you might not like two or three others. So it's not one that I would just say, just test it out on one episode. It's really, that's not a good enough test. You gotta watch like, I, I mean, there's only 13 or 14 episodes total. I would say just watch the whole thing. And if you don't know, Black Mirror is supposed to be, you know, everyone pick up your phone right now, look at your phone, and if there's nothing on it, that's the Black Mirror. Right? What's looking back at you when you're always looking back at it. It's it's a wild show. It's not for everybody, but it is really something else. And if you like the Twilight Zone, if you like, you know, that type of uh, like kind of like horror-ish type of show, it is phenomenal. And uh, thank you to Derek Brainy for pointing that one out to me because I have absolutely loved Black Mirror, and they're gonna come back with season four real soon. They're short seasons. The first season was only three episodes, but it's totally worth checking out. So I'd really suggest everyone to check it out. Okay, so Bachelorette. Let's jump into it real quick. Hometowns is over. Dean will be on Bachelor in Paradise. A couple people already knew that. It's not surprising. Uh, we talked about how, you know, he's a lot younger than Rachel and, uh, this wasn't really going to be like her choice. You could see her getting very deep with Peter and Brian and a little more so Eric. And everything with Dean was going really well, but I just it just didn't really seem like they were destined to be together. I think he just stuck around that long because he's a really nice guy. And to be honest, I think he's going to be The Bachelor next season. I think Bachelor in Paradise, everyone's going to like him. You're going to get to see more of him. And they're going to realize, yep, this is our Bachelor. This is the guy. So I, I like that pick going forward for The Bachelor. And uh, I think he's going to do do that. And I think he's going to you know, do pretty well. We've had a couple older contestants recently. I think they need to change it up. Go with Dean. He's 25. He's young. He's good looking. He's nice. Uh, and he's he's gotten like this emotional side that you know he talked about you know his his life when growing up and how he hasn't always had it the easiest and and he kind of like can tear up a little bit so and I think that's something you kind of need from the bachelor you need a soft side I think he's gonna do really well there I still have Peter winning it all I don't think she likes Brian quite enough I think she just really likes Peter I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't get engaged at all though. Uh, she seems like she's got no time for BS, but I still got Peter. I got Peter in all of this. I know, uh, you know, and ABC tries to kind of make you doubt a lot of this. Uh, they, they do these, you know, promos where you seem like, oh, things aren't going really well. Peter's going to win it. So, uh, so I think, I think that's the way it goes for, for here for the Bachelorette. And we're only a, like a week or two away from Bachelor in Paradise. So, you know, keep that up. Know, in the back of your mind. That's going to be something else. Uh, I'm really excited for that to come back. I hope they don't really make everyone hone it in because of the problem they had on night one, but uh, they might. It might turn into like a really cooker, cookie cutter version of the show. So we kind of kind of keep out for that. But when it comes out, I'll have all eyes on. I'll be checking it out. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week. We talked Game of Thrones. Uh, we, you know, a little bit and really just talked about Danny and the music but uh, it's going to be a long, great season. I'm really excited for Game of Thrones to be back. And I'll sure to have a couple more guests on that will talk about the show and kind of see where we are. You know, Owen and I made our predictions last week. We drafted uh, up some of the uh, some of the characters. I want to see how they do this year. So far, if you watched, Arya, she is winning the, uh, <laughs> the battle of the Game of Thrones because... Of the amount of kills she got in week one, what a way to start the season two! I knew in the cold open they went they went right into it. They didn't go right into the uh, you know the credits that they usually go into. They went right into a scene, and I know any time they do that, it must be pretty important. You know they've done that twice, three times before. You know when they brought the hound back, um, when Tywin was melting down ice, uh, the big sword into Valerian steel and make two swords out of it. 
this one, and there might have been another one in there sprinkled in, but they usually go right into the opening credits. They don't usually do a cold open like this, so you knew it was going to be something really important. They weren't just going to do it just for the hell of it, and uh, and that was really cool, the way that Arya, you know, she's using faces. She is going to get her kills, and I still think she's going to make a big splash this season, killing off some people on her list. I don't know if it's going to be Cersei or if it's going to be... I mean, that's really, you know, she already said she's going to kill the queen. So I, I would like to think it's going to be Cersei, but I don't know. It's a really great show. It's it's something else, and I'm, I'm happy it's back. Especially in July, there's not a lot going on in the sport world. Yeah, give me, give me a badass TV show. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. This was episode 13, solid hour long. And uh, if you missed this drop for shirts... I'm going to do my order on Wednesday morning, so by the time that this releases, you'll have a couple hours left, and that's it. Uh, the shirts are going to be coming in late next week, so kind of like the last couple days of July, and if you missed it, it's okay. I'm going to be doing another order at the end of August, but um, it, you know what? These are great shirts. A lot of people have been asking about them. We got an order of about like, uh, like 25, 30 shirts right now because people have been demanding. So this is really awesome. And if you missed the free t-shirt, sorry. Uh, but you know what? We'll do, we'll do another free t-shirt at the end of August too. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen. I uh, really appreciate it. Having a lot of fun here. And I uh, hope everyone has a great day.